Hello, crackheads. You are listening to Paranormal Cracktivity. I'm Justin. And I am Just Dreek. Back again, Just Dreek. Hello. Back again with the cracktivity and everything else that goes with it. Mm-hmm. That is right. That is right. Dreek, are you drinking anything tonight? Am I drinking anything? I am drinking... Nothing. I'm drinking nothing. Nothing. And it's I spring wish, break. I wish I was drinking something, Justin. I really do wish I was drinking something. Oh, yeah. Well, What would I be drinking? A cab. A cab? Oh, I love that for you. I was going to say wine. Box wine. A box cab. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the move tonight. Box mm-hmm. wine. As soon as well, we're done recording, box wine. <laughs> well, honestly, before before we started recording today, I had like two cups of coffee, and now I'm drinking an IPA, so <laughs> if you hear me running to the bathroom, you know why. <laughs> we're just sitting there jittering in your seat. <laughs> Literally. But, fun fact, I went through a coffee phase, for the, like, I think, for the past... I think a week ago, and I was in a coffee phase for like two or three weeks. Really? Like real coffee? Like caffeinated coffee? Yeah, the good stuff. Oh, wow. How did the how did the caffeine affect you? You know, I didn't see a difference. Hmm. I thought like once, once I like started drinking coffee, I would like feel like a buzz and like an urge to work. Or maybe it was just because I was just so tired that it just like it couldn't do anything for me. So, but yeah, I went to Starbucks and I got a latte. That's how it started. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a like a vanilla bean or something like anything. Well, I got a latte. I was like, hmm, I can get with this. Started getting coffee at my school. And then I just stopped because I just, it was like a, a task I felt like I had to do. Oh, Yeah. And the effects of the coffee weren't good enough for me to like, oh, I have to get some coffee today. Uh-huh. Well, you, do you drink, still drink? I know you were drinking black tea for a little while. You still drink tea? Green tea. Oh, green tea. Excuse me. Yeah. Black tea is not, it's not, well, it's not my tea. I, well, that just to- totally, I was going to say black tea has caffeine in it, but if you're drinking green tea, it, I don't think it has as much caffeine. I might be mistaken, but. No, I don't think it has a lot of caffeine either. I just, I naturally have caffeine in me. Mm-hmm. That was lame. Let's get started. Um, uh, wait, one more, uh, <laughs> one more thing. The coffee that I'm drinking right now, or that I was <gasps> drinking, is from, I got it when I was visiting Portland, actually, and it, I think <gasps> it's called Native Coffee. It is delicious. It's so good, and I'm going to be so sad when I run out. I like to make French press, and oh my God, so good. French press seems like it is extra strong, is it? I think it can be extra strong depending on because like you let it basically you let it steep like tea. So the longer you let it sit in there, the stronger it'll get. What about Italian press? Uh, You'll have to ask an Italian about that. I'm not. I don't even think they know what it is. (laughs) They're like espresso. (laughs) Um, Macchiato. (laughs) okay okay i'm sorry for dragging us back in i'm ready i'm so excited to hear your story today i'm not excited to hear my story today but it is what it is it comes with the job 
So let's start off with the name Kitty Genovese. Does that name sound familiar to you? I don't think so. Genovese does because I have a friend whose last name is Genovese. I have none of Genovese. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about Kitty Genovese. And Catherine Kitty Genovese was born on July 7th, 1935 to Rachel and Vincent Genovese. And she was the first of five children in an American-Italian family. No, I think it's Italian-American because they were ethnically Italian and they lived in America. Oh, okay. Interesting. So the family lived in a working-class neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York, called Park Slope. And back when the Genovese family lived there, the community of Park Slope mainly consisted of Italian or Irish families. When Kitty was a child, she was said to be filled with energy and life. And oftentimes, when someone is described as funky and full of life, or having a smile that lit up a room, they always end up dead. And I'm just sorry, it's just it's a trend that I've noticed. Have you? Yeah. yeah. She You're had not a smile wrong. that lit up the she had a smile that lit up the room. Dead. Dead. Boyfriend murdered her. Mm. Um Classics. Classic. While in grade school, she had a lot of friends and she was considered a chatterbox. When she graduated high school in 1953, she was voted as class cut-up by her peers. After graduating, her family moved to Connecticut because her mother had witnessed a murder and wanted to keep the family as far away as she she could from the city life. And she started the new family over in the suburbs of New Canaan, Connecticut. Kitty, however, decided to stay in Brooklyn with her grandparents because at the time she was engaged to be married. Uh Uh-oh. So in the Netflix um, documentary, The Witness, which which is a great documentary and I recommend that everyone should watch it. In the documentary, The Witness, Kitty's younger brother, Billy, um, tried to interview the man that his sister was previously married to and when he got in contact with the man the man said his relationship with kitty will remain a mystery oh i hate that okay i know like could you like not have could you literally have said anything else he's just being dramatic my my relationship with kitty will always be a mystery Mm. boy go sit down Well, anyway, the marriage didn't work out, and it was annulled in 1954. She was able to get an apartment in Hollis, Queens, and worked as a secretary, a waitress, a hostess, a barmaid, and eventually a bar manager at Eve's 11th hour. She often would work double shifts to save money, and on average, she would make about $750 a month which in 2023 is about $8,500. Oh. So Miss Independent, she got her own, just like last week's case. She don't Mm. need no man. She made it by herself. Mm -hmm. And the reason why she was working double shifts to save money was because she intended to open up an Italian restaurant. And in 1963, she met a woman named Mary Ann at an underground lesbian bar, and they began to date. After that, they decided to move in together 
into an apartment in Queens. So what are your thoughts so far, Justin? Did did she like to go dancing in the lesbian bar? Justin, <laughs> cut the cameras. <laughs> oh my goodness, cut the cameras. Oh. <laughs> That's my only thought. I only have one. <laughs> okay. So how does, as a person, how does Kitty sound? She sounds like a self-made woman, honestly. She sounds like she's pursuing her dreams, and I love that for her. I love that for her, too, as well. And then tragedy strikes. Oh, God. So on the night of March 13th, 1964, around 3 a.m., Kitty left work and drove home in her red Fiat. While waiting for a traffic light to change, she was spotted by a weirdo and a piece of crap man who was sitting in his car parked. Genevieve's arrived home around 3.15 a.m. and she parked her car in the Kew Gardens Long Island Railroad Station parking lot, which was behind the building in which she lived in. Genevieve's arrived home around 3.15 a.m. and parked her car in the Kew Gardens Long Island Railroad Station parking lot, which was behind the building she lived in. As she walked towards the apartment complex, the piece of crap man followed her home, exited his his vehicle, and began to approach Kitty with a hunting knife in his hands. Oh, gosh. Kitty became aware that she was being followed and proceeded to try to get away as fast as she could. She was then overtaken by the man that had been following her with a hunting knife. She was then stabbed twice in the back. Oh no. She then screamed screamed for help, exclaiming that she had been stabbed. A man by the name of Robert Moser saw Kitty kneeling down in front of the bookstore with a man over her from his bedroom window. He opened his window and yelled, Hey, get out of there. Robert says that after he said that, the man took off like a rabbit. After the unidentified perp made off, Kitty crawled to the rear entrance of her apartment and made her way into the foyer of the back entrance. After about 10 minutes, when, he, when the perpetrator realized that the police wasn't actually coming, he came back and he looked for Kitty, where he had left her. He searched and searched until he found her in the foyer of the back entrance of her apartment building. Oh, no. He then began to stab her several more times and either raped or attempted to rape her. Oh, God. In the process of his getaway, he stole $49 from her purse. He then ran off into the night. A man by the name of Carl had seen Kitty in the foyer at the bottom of the stairs as she was bleeding. He called his girlfriend, not the police, he called his girlfriend, and asked her what he should do. His girlfriend told him to call the police and to not get involved. Carl was someone that Kitty knew, but that wasn't enough for him to go down a flight of stairs to help. Kitty's friend and Kitty's neighbor, Sophie Farrar, went to help Kitty after her husband received a call saying that Kitty was in the stairwell and the foyer bleeding. Sophie ran to Kitty and held her in her arms. 
She was the only person to go to Kitty and actually help her that night. Oh. Carl called the police around 4 a.m. Genevieve was picked up by the ambulance at 4.15 a.m. and died en route to the hospital. Oh, that is so tragic. It is. So let's talk about some things really quickly. Mm-hmm. So this was in the early morning hours at 3 a.m. And she was stabbed and attacked on the street in a very residential area in front of her apartment building, actually. When she screamed, how many people do you think heard her? Uh, in New York, I mean, no less than like 20 people. Maybe. Well, what? It is 36. said that there are there were 38 witnesses to the murder of Kitty uh, Genovese. Uh, no. 38. But it is thought that over more than 100 people heard her scream because like I said she was in front of an apart of an apartment building in New York City. In New York, I apologize. Oh, that's so wild. <clears throat> oh my god. So, Marianne was questioned by detectives on the morning after the murder. She was later interrogated for six hours by two homicide detectives whose questions centered on her relationship with Genevieve and whether or not they were more than friends. Because, of course, it does matter if Kitty and her partner are lesbians. Oh my it gosh. I mean, it, of course, I mean, it's 1963. Who someone is sleeping with is literally, it's make or break. Like, it's the biggest deal in the world. It's so much more important than murder. Oh, she was sleeping with a woman. Oh, gosh. Let's figure out who killed her. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my high horse. Initially, Marianne was considered a suspect, but she was quickly ruled out after no connections had been made between her and the murder of Kitty Genovese, who was at the time her partner. The morning after Kitty, the morning after Kitty's murder, Kitty's family was notified and Kitty's younger brother, Billy, at the time was only 16 years old. Oh. And he remember he he remembered hearing his mother um scream in agony when she was told that Kitty had been murdered in New York City. And the whole reason why she had left the city was because she had witnessed a murder. So I just feel like that's I don't know, I just feel like that's like a double whammy. Definitely, that's so rough. So Kitty's uncle was sent to identify the body because her father and her mother were not in the right frame of mind to see their daughter in the state that she was in. Mm -hmm. Kitty was buried on March 16, 1964 in, in Lakeview Cemetery in New Canaan, Connecticut. Six days after the stabbing, a man by a man by the name of Winston Mosley was arrested for a suspected robbery. Some of the detectives noticed that the car that he was driving matched the description of the car that was seen driving around the night that Kitty was murdered. 
He was questioned about it and confessed to the murder of Kitty Genovese. Oh, what? He also admitted to killing two other people, one of whom was a 15-year-old girl. Oh. Along with the three murders, he also told detectives he had committed other sexual assaults and a plethora of burglaries. Oh, wow. Sad, 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 sad. Very sad. So, Mosley's trial began on June 8th, 1964, and was presided over by Judge Erwin Shapiro. Mosley initially pleaded not guilty, but his attorney later changed his plea to guilty by reason of insanity. Oh, come on. Of the reported 38 witnesses, only five came to testify at the trial. Kitty's family did not go to the trial because they were not able to keep their composure and it was too painful for them. Now, in the documentary, The Witness, Billy actually does some investigating um, because he wasn't allowed to go to the trial. And so years later, as an adult, he finds the court transcripts and he found out the names of the five witnesses and what they had to say about witnessing the murder of Kitty with their own eyes. Mm -hmm. The first man we already talked about was Robert Moser, the guy who yelled from his window when he seen that Kitty was being attacked. Mm -hmm. Robert saw Kitty kneeling down in front of the bookstore with a man over her. He yelled hey get out of here or something to that extent he said that after he said that the man took off like a rabbit so like we said a couple of sentences back we said moments mm -hmm. ago mm -hmm. and then there was andre peak andre said that she had heard the voice of a man screaming and that she saw a man running away she saw Kitty get up slowly and yelled, help. She then says that she saw Kitty go around the corner. A few minutes later, she saw the man come back walking normally as if nothing happened. He then cut the corner out of her sight line. She then heard two final screams for help. She heard the screams, but still nobody's called the police. This is what is said. It is said that no one called the police. And she was attacked on two separate occasions. I'm just, like, speechless. Yes. And the final witness we're going to talk about is Sophie Farrar. Sophie was actually with Kitty when she passed away. Um, Sophie and Kitty were actually neighbors and Kitty would oftentimes go get coffee with S Sophie. Kitty saw Sophie as a confidant. The night that Kitty was killed, Sophie's son said that he heard a blood curdling scream and that his mother and father looked out the window to check on what it was. They did not see anything, so they went back to bed. He said about 20 minutes later, his father got a call from the got a call and the person on the other line said that kitty was in the hall bleeding oh. sophie took her jacket and ran to the door 
She then seen Kitty in the hall bleeding. When Sophie did get to Kitty, she was still trying to fight because she didn't know who was that Sophie was trying to help her. Mm-hmm. Sophie took her jacket and ran for the door. She then seen Kitty in the hall bleeding. When Sophie did get to Kitty, she was still trying to fight because she did not know that someone was actually trying to help her and she thought it was the attacker coming back for a third time. Oh. Sophie was able to calm Kitty down, but by that point, Kitty couldn't talk because she was choking on her own blood. After talking to a newspaper, Sophie said that if given the chance, she would do it again if she had to. The newspaper then twisted her words and made it seem like Sophie said that she would never get involved if this were to happen to her again. How do you twist someone's words that much? Exactly. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. That makes me so mad. After that, Sophie never talked to anyone about the case because of the way her words were twisted by the newspaper. It put a bad taste in her mouth about the press. Until Billy went to investigate, he did not know that Kitty had died in the arms of her friends, uh, of her friend. So this was, I think, about 45 or 50 years after the um, attack. And he didn't, he just thought that Kitty died in the hall by herself. But when he did some more digging and investigating, he found out that Sophie was actually there with Kitty. Oh. And in this case, the communication and the press is horrible. It's just, it's just horrible because why didn't he know that someone was there with his, with his sister in her, in her final hours? Like, why didn't he know this? Oh God, that's so frustrating. Why can't they just tell the truth? And like the communication from the very beginning has been so, so messed up. Like communicating with the police and then the police communicating with the family and then the press. It's like, oh my gosh. So on June 15th, 1964, Winston Mosley was sentenced to death. However, Mm. on June 1st, 1967, the New York Court of Appeals found that Mosley should have been able to argue that he was insane at the sentencing. No. No. So, this case is really important because it shaped the way a lot of Americans lived their lives. One of the ways that this case was able to help shape the ways others think was by allowing people to contact the police in an easier way. Ah. Before this case, you had to dial O to get in contact with an operator, and then the operator would have to get them in contact with the precinct. And then the precinct would have to give it to the right department. So you would have to jump through so many hoops to actually tell someone that there was a crime occurring. Oh my and that's goodness. what and that's what happened on this night. Um, the newspaper that said that there were 38 witnesses failed to account for the people that called and had to jump through all those hoops. <gasps> Okay, so people were trying to call the police, but they were just like running into all these obstacles through the different operators. Yes, and so actually what happened is that when Billy went to go interview people, because he found it weird that it was said that 38 people witnessed his 
sister's murder and no one called the police. He thought it was just bizarre. He went to go talk to a woman who was there that night. And by this time she was like in her nineties. She said that she had called and that when she did call, the operator said that, oh, we've gotten the calls before. There's no need, there's no need to talk to us anymore. Like we've, we've oh been getting gosh. the calls. So people had been, had been calling after the, after the initial attack, but no police were sent. And people say that, I think at least, and people also say that if Kitty were to have been saved between after, right after the first attack, she would have, been, she would have lived. Oh, right. Even oh. if she, you know, sat there for a little bit, those two stab wounds wouldn't have been fatal to her. Mm. They would have, I mean, she would have been stabbed, yes, but she would have been able to live if someone mm. would have came to rescue her. But within that increments of 10 minutes, or 10 to 20 minutes where she was stabbed, made her way to the back of the apartment building, and Winston came back to attack her for the second time, she could have been saved during that 20 minute time span. Right. Wow. Anyway. And so in the case of Kitty, many people did call the police, but this is what helped people implement the 911 system that we use. Mm. So people weren't using 911 before this. Which makes me think, I just don't know why. I just thought that 911 had, has been around for, for, like, the beginning of time. Oh, wow. So it was after this case that the 911 system was implemented. Well, um, wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's definitely, um, definitely needed. I mean, there's just so many ways that this could have gone better. You know, and, it, and and now it makes sense why to me it makes sense why the um the press was twisting everything up because maybe like like you said like it was so they they were trying to protect the the fact that the system was messed up from the very beginning. Yeah, it just sucks. Yeah. And another way that Kitty Genovese's murder shaped American lives was through a psychological way. So people wondered why no one came to help Kitty, even though there were thought to have been 38 witnesses to the crime. This number was actually later proven false upon further investigation. Ah. So there, I don't think there were actually 38 people who seen Kitty just like actively being attacked and actively dying. Mm -hmm. um, but there were definitely 38, uh, I don't wanna say definitely 38, but there were definitely people who heard what was going on and knew that whatever it was, this girl was in trouble. Mm -hmm. So the bystander effect or bystander apathy is a social psychological theory that states that individuals are less likely to offer help to a victim in, in the presence of other people because they were thought to have been around 38 witnesses, psychologists, John Darley and Bib Latane began doing some social experimentation. And Latane in 1968 staged an experiment around a woman in distress where subjects were either alone with a friend or with a stranger. 70% of the people alone 
70% of the people who were alone called out or went to help the woman after they believed that she was fallen and was hurt. But when paired with a stranger, only 40% offered help. Huh. So that shows you how the system of human psychology works. That is so fascinating. See, at first I was, to me, I was thinking like, if you're like in a big group of people, you might think, oh, I don't have what it takes to deal with this. So I'm sure somebody else is going to deal with it, you know? Yeah. But in, but in the case where it's just them, like the two of them, like what's causing that? That's really interesting to me. It is. In this case, I'm sad. It's, it's a very sad thing that this case had to happen for those two big things to come out of it. But I guess those are positives. Yeah, I don't, it, it's hard to look at it uh, that way because this innocent woman lost her life to a piece of crap man. Right. Um, but, I mean, we got the 911 system out of it. And then we had this amazing research out of it as well. It's just very sad that literally no one helped Kitty except for yeah. Sophie. And by the Someone... time she came to help, it was too late. Yeah, no one should have had to have died for us to figure figure that those things out. But yeah, it's really really sad. And but I'm glad that we can I'm glad that we can bring her story to light and that we can keep um remembering her for those things. I am as well, and I just want to give another plug to the witness, the Netflix documentary that helped me. Her brother Billy loved her like so much you can tell like still like 50 years after this has happened oh yeah shout out to billy for sure shout out shout out to billy he's just like he's working he's going into people's homes he's investigating he's he's asking the questions that investigators should have asked mm. 50 years ago mm, totally he was like why wasn't anyone trying to like what what like what's going on and then even 50 plus years after he did this investigation, he just, he found out new information. He had been living under an wow. assumed, I don't know, assumed implementations about his sister's death. And I'm glad that he got some of the answers that he was looking for. Yeah, totally. Me too. And that is wow. the story of Kitty Genovese. That is one tragic tale. I agree. Mm. If you have another tragic tale that you want us to cover, please email us at paranormalcreactivity at paranormalcreactivitypodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Do that. Or DM us at paranormalcreactivitypodcast on Instagram. Do we have a Twitter? No. Do we have a We are not connected <laughs> no twitter is a scary place um mm -hmm. uh do we have a youtube channel no not yet <laughs> not yet do we have a tiktok i don't think we'll ever have a tiktok <laughs> you know what i hope we don't because tiktok is destroying the mind y'all stay woke listen stay listen woke. to just streak listen to just streak Listen um, to Just TikTok. Streak, stay woke. <laughs> there we go.
<laughs> but the, that's all we have for you tonight, y'all. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to tune in next week and don't smoke crack. Pl- please don't. P- please don't smoke please. crack. It's, crack is whack. Crack is cheap. You make too much money to ever do crack. Don't do it. Mm, you heard it here first. All right. Do you know? No, I still don't know. <laughs> oh, Justin, you need to figure it out. Have a have a have a have a cracky crack. Crack, crack, crack.